Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about commandment number three of the Ten Commandments. Here's my point. If you're going to use that name, and there seems like there's some verses that give you carte blanche, whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified. That if you're going to be my ambassador and my representative, that it represents kingdom values. So let's take it on the positive end. You pray over somebody in Jesus' name. You know he's called you to pray over the sick. You know he's called you to preach the gospel. You know he's sent you to comfort the brokenhearted. And you use that name. And there's authority in that name. But don't misuse that name. Don't tag it onto something to build your kingdom and, you know, uh, etc. But use that name. Call upon that name as a believer. But then it comes down to kingdom priorities and values. Amen? And what's in that name? There's an incredible Christmas prophecy. You don't have to turn there, but we just sang about it. And here's what it says. It says, Isaiah 9, 6, a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called, do you remember, brethren? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom. That's, his, that's who he is. He's, he's the God who abounds in loving kindness. He's the God that's good. He's the God that wants to grant life and peace, but he doesn't want to be misrepresented and he doesn't want his name misused. So let me just fill in some blanks here. And let me just say that, you know, using his name in a proper way is beautiful, wonderful, praying over people, etc. Mary put it this way, the mighty one in her Magnificat, her song, the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Isaiah 57, 15 says, Thus says the highly exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Look, if that's your prayer, if you want his name to be hallowed in your life and behavior, you're on the right track, man. You're not going to be perfect at it. But if your desire is to honor the king and build his kingdom, the Lord's going to bless. The Lord's going to pour out blessings. But this is where we need to shift our thinking to kingdom priorities, to going around and sharing the good news of the gospel. How might we take the name of the Lord in vain? It means to attribute nothingness or even worthlessness to it, emptiness, uh, even the idea of uselessness. And there are several ways that this might occur. The first is by cussing. And one writer says, the commandment is general enough as to encompass making light or trivializing God's name, mocking it, using it disrespectfully, or even to express disgust. I'm not sure biblical Israel had a concept of cussing, he says, or using a collection of four-letter words. But it is not a misunderstanding of this commandment to bring to bear on the pervasive use of today of, oh my God, and even worse in every imaginable situation. Philip Riken picks it up. He says, today many people call down divine damnation 
on whatever or whoever happens to be a source of frustration. Or they use the name of Jesus Christ as a kind of exclamation point. All of the bad language on television and in the movies shows how godless our culture has become, but also shows that we can never get away from God. People can't seem to swear without using God's name. Why is this? What does it tell us about the human condition? I think it proves, says Riken, the existence of God. Like everything people say, cursing comes from the heart. When non-Christians use God's name even in vain, it shows that deep down they know there really is a God. Their rage is a direct rebellion against God's honor. You know, I have never heard in my lifetime someone in disgust say, Oh, Buddha! Maybe you have. But just think about the number of times in a given hour or day in our country where the name of Jesus and the name of our God is blasphemed. And it is a sobering thought. And it is a reminder of how patient God is and how gracious he is. So one way is cussing. The the other way would be to take an oath like, say, in a court of law. I swear on the Holy Bible that I will fulfill the uh, mandates of my office. How many people have done that on the Holy Bible? They don't know what's in here, but they've sworn on the Bible. Or I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And then they lie on the stand about everything. It's very, you know, courts are complicated because we don't know who's telling the truth. But people make their declarations. They promise to tell the truth and then they lie from here to Sunday and back. Small boy was a witness in an important lawsuit. The prosecuting attorney cross-examined him and then delivered, he thought was a crushing blow to the boy's testimony. Your father's been telling you to testify, has he not? Yes. The lad replied. He didn't hesitate on the answer. Now, said the lawyer triumphantly, just tell us how your father told you to testify. Well, the boy said modestly, father told me that lawyers like you would try to tangle me in my testimony. But if I would just be careful to tell the truth, I could repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And the lawyer didn't have anything to say. I have a good friend. He visited us at first service and we were riding motorcycles. We used to ride Harleys together. and We'd go pray over people in the hospital. And we were in a town. I don't remember where we were. And we went into a McDonald's and this kid came up and he said, I'm in a foster home situation and I've been kicked out and I rode my bike down here and I need something to eat and I need help and blah, blah, blah. And he went through this whole litany and compassionate Pastor Michael was listening. Oh yeah, I'll buy you a cheeseburger, man. It's cool. I'm sorry that's going on. And my friend who's a police officer listened patiently and then began to drill this kid on everything he said. So the the system that you're in, I, I know the one that heads that up in this town. So you, do you know her name? And uh, I can call her right now if you want. And, and he began to, and everything the kid said was a lie. And passionate Pastor Michael, and, and my friend looked at me and said, don't change how you are. I appreciate your heart. But he had been trained to look for people who were lying. I still bought the kid a cheeseburger. But, but the point is this, it's just so easy for us to just, to default to that. And this is the, probably one of the bigger things that, go, that goes on in the culture right now is we don't know who's telling the truth. Think about it. Think about all the modern debates going on with science and what should be the priorities of a culture. We don't know who's telling the truth. 
We can't even seem to drill down to who's the authority that we should listen to. That's why there's so much confusion in the world. Who do we go to? Where do we turn? We, we have the answers, brethren. We have a book that says it is truth. We have a God who says he is truth. We have the answers. We need a revival. We pray over our country, amen, amen. to come back to the Lord. We are not to trivialize God's name. We're not to use it to advance our own purposes. Here's an example. We want to sound orthodox or spiritual. So we say, praise the Lord. Or we, we think it'll appeal to a certain audience so we begin to sound like we're a Christian. Do you think that that honors God when someone tries to sound like a group of people? They just simply want your votes. Watch their actions and you'll know whether or not they're the real deal. Not Words are cheap, man. The, the way you measure a confession is the way that someone lives out their values. That's why when we have these confessions of faith in the, the culture, it's like, well, that's nice, but let's see you know, if you back that up with the way that you live. So it could be an oath-taking. It could be in a false way that one presents themselves. It could be in a lot of different ways that someone misrepresents the name. And God says, I don't want you to do that. If you're going to take my name to your lips, I want you to give it the proper weight, to give it the, the honor and the sacredness that it deserves. And so it could be in cussing. It could be in oath-taking. Jesus put it this way. Look, if you've got to qualify everything you say, I'm paraphrasing, with I swear to God or I swear on my mother's grave or I swear by my third dog on my uncle's side or whatever you've got to do, at some point, we're going to begin to question whether or not you actually tell the truth about anything. Why do you have to swear on everything? How about this? Jesus said, how about your yes is yes and your no is no? How about instead of all this oath-taking, you simply just honor the, the things that you say by backing them up by what you do. Wouldn't it be refreshing to have just someone just tell the truth? You know, when uh, you get pulled over by a police officer, if this has ever happened, police officers expect you to lie. They're so used to hearing lies. And if you tell the truth, you're, you're usually going to benefit from it. Amen? Because, <laughs> true? <laughs> because, why? Because it's so refreshing. Someone just says, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I was going too fast. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll take my lumps. And it's over. Instead of this song and dance about every excuse under the thumb and name dropping. By the way, I know someone in the department. Uh, <laughs> would you go easy on me? They're, they're not going to go easy on you. There's one final way that this occurs. And we're winding down. But I, I want you to turn to one more passage. It's in Deuteronomy 18. And it has to do with false prophecy about speaking something in God's name as though it represented God. Let me just comment on this. Deuteronomy 18, 18, while you're turning there. In the last election, many in the Christian church made predictions about the outcome of the election. And many of them were wrong. And I read several articles by a brother who we would consider maybe on the Pentecostal side, but he's a scholar and he was calling upon these pastors to publicly repent because they called the election. They were very emphatic. They said they were speaking in the name of God, that they had revelation insight from God, and they were wrong. And it wasn't from God. This can also happen if someone shares something with you personally. The Lord told me to tell you. We got to be very careful with that kind of stuff. Because if someone's heard from the Lord, and look, I'm always 
cautiously open to anyone who wants to share something with me because I want to be like David. Who knows whether the Lord's speaking through this person? I, I, I want to keep my heart open. But we got to be careful that we make sure it's from the Lord. We're to test everything and hold fast to that which is good and true. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael and some of today's top apologists for the Dare to Defend Conference. On March 10th and 11th, these speakers will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's postmodern culture. This year's theme is Keeping the Faith in a Culture of Chaos. Come to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California on March 10th and 11th to hear speakers Detective J. Warner Wallace. The idea that all we have in the universe is random accidents and the laws of physics or chemistry, then we're not going to get to, we're going to see the evidence differently because our presupposition really colors the way we see every piece of evidence in the room. Dr. Hugh Ross. When God created time, he was a causal agent that brought into effect time, which means at a minimum, he's got the equivalent to move and operate in two independent dimensions of time. Back at Cook. And they would say, are you moving? Did you did you meet someone? And, do you have, and I'm like, well, actually, I did meet someone named Jesus. I mean, they were really stunned. And especially when I got to the part about you know, the homosexuality being a sin, some of my friends really got hostile. Dr. Craig Hasten. Sure, this Jesus thing sounds good, but you know, I know nothing about Buddhism or Islam or Hinduism or Mormonism. And how do I know for sure that I've really got the goods? Lenny Esposito. This one conversation shows how much we've confused the motivations for why we believe something with good reasons for believing it. There's only one good reason to believe anything. And that is, if it's true. Monique Dusan. I think the idea that that's funny racism, like they let you into their home. And like I was, I came home with PTSD from South Africa and all that. And I think I, I started to really think about like, well, what if it wasn't racist? And Joe Dallas. If you want to punch somebody out and you punch somebody out, you're not struggling with punching somebody out. You are, in fact, punching somebody out. Register for the Dare to Defend conference on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. A brother who we would consider maybe on the Pentecostal side, but he's a scholar. And he was calling upon these pastors to publicly repent. Because they called the election... They were very emphatic. They said they were speaking in the name of God, that they had revelation insight from God, and they were wrong. And it wasn't from God. This can also happen if someone shares something with you personally. The Lord told me to tell you. We got to be very careful with that kind of stuff. Because if someone's heard from the Lord, and look, I'm always cautiously open to anyone who wants to share something with me because I want to be like David. Who knows whether the Lord's speaking through this person? I, I, I want to keep my heart open, but we got to be careful that we make sure it's from the Lord. We're to test everything and hold fast to that which is good and true. And in some of our circles, you know, we've, we've had this, this becomes a habit. Some of you may have come from this. Someone will speak something to you. It didn't come to pass. You know, it wasn't from God. 
And this is where we've got to be very careful. However, I will say to you on the positive side, I've had some people speak wonderful, beautiful things into my life based upon Bible verses or insights, and they were beautiful and edifying, and that was wonderful. But again, we have to be careful. Check out Deuteronomy 18.18. It says, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, like Moses. I will put my words in his mouth. Uh, That would be Messiah who comes. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who shall speak a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he shall shall speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And you may say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, there's Hashem and Yahweh. If the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So this is how you know whether it comes to pass. This is something to write down. This is Jeremiah 14, 14. It says, The Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. I've neither sent them nor commanded them nor spoken to them. They're prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deception of their own minds. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who are prophesying in my name, Jeremiah 14, 14, and 15. Although it was not I who sent them, yet they keep saying there shall be no sword or famine in the land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall meet their end. Much more I could share with you, but I don't have to tell you about the number of false prophecies that have been spoken about the return of Christ. Just to use one example, people who have set dates, they have a very dismal record. Amen? People who were so confident they had figured out the calculations of the return of Christ, even though he said no one knows the day or the hour. And they make these declarations and people have sold homes, not gotten educations, not had families, not had children, all because of a false prophecy. And God says, you better be careful that if you speak in my name, you speak in my authority. It's truly my word and not your word or not your own imagination. And so this there's a lot that could be said about this, but this, this was common in Israel. People didn't want to speak the truth, so they told kings what they wanted to hear. And the true prophets would speak the truth, and the kings would essentially say, uh, don't let that guy come around anymore. I don't like what he says. Somebody tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. We can tell you what you want to hear all day, but will it do you any good? So I'll give you one final example and we're going to come to communion. Many times I'm standing at a pulpit and I'm speaking to a group of people at a memorial service and they've lost a loved one. I could do a song and dance around the gospel and try to be nicey-nicey and I'm always trying to be gracious and compassionate. But at some point I got to get to the truth because there's a bunch of people with their hearts still beating who have a chance to come to know Christ. Amen? So my job is to be as winsome as possible, but at some point I got to say, you're going to die too. (laughs) But there's a way that you can know, you can be saved. You can know hope, you can know life. And I begin to preach to those who are alive. I don't know often what happened to this person. And I'm not their judge anyway. But I know I can preach to those who are alive. 
And so sometimes I've had young preachers say, what do I do? I'm not sure if this person was a Christian and I've asked, been asked to do their ceremony. I say, you don't need to make any commentary about them at all. You don't know where they ended up. Your job is to preach the gospel. You tell the people that are sitting there how they can be saved. God will take care of the rest. Those are the people that have the chance to respond. And so Jesus spent three, three and a half years going around Israel, Galilee, and he kept extending the gospel, extending hope. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then the, the writers of the New Testament say, call upon the name of Jesus, because everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, as we have a chance to wind down this message now and to come to your table, thank you for sending Jesus. The name above all names. And thank you that Jesus, you came down and bore our sins on the tree. And Lord, as you were suffering there for every frivolous word, careless word, every time your name was used to express disgust, every time your name was taken in vain, for every wrong deed, the times that we failed to do the right thing, the times that we transgressed, knowing full well exactly what we were doing, the times that we simply missed the mark because we're just human. You nailed all of that, those commandments that were against us. You nailed them to the cross. Thank you. Because if we were judged just by this one commandment, we're all dust. But thank you that you took the penalty the Holy One was treated on the cross as though he had committed our sins. And he became the sin offering. He took, you took the wrath of God for us, Lord. We need forgiveness. We go through these commandments. It is clear we need a Savior. And Jesus, you are that Savior. Would you keep your heart and head bowed if you're watching via live stream right now? You have a chance. If you're not sure that you're in the kingdom, if you're not sure that Jesus is your Lord and King, if you haven't made a decision to repent of your sin and trust in him, his death on the cross, his triumphant resurrection, and even the fact that he intercedes for his people today, call upon him. Cry out to him, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Renew me. Be my Lord, be my King, be my Savior, be my God. I ask for your forgiveness. I repent. And I ask you to save me and change me little by little into your image. If you're a prodigal, and maybe you know some of these things that have been spoken have hit your heart in a hard way, but they've been almost like a scalpel divine surgery to bring you back to God, to bring you true healing, to let the truth set you free. Won't you come home? Come back to the king. Back to the name. And if you're a saint here and you've been walking with the Lord and you just need some encouragement or you need a touch from his mighty hand, you know, he is here. He lives inside of you if you're a believer and he loves you. And he wants you to call upon him in truth. 
whatever your needs may be, however deep or difficult they might be, call upon him while he is near. Because he is near. And he does minister to his people. And he'll even strengthen us. Even if the thorn doesn't go away, he'll, he'll make you strong in your weakness. Because that's what he does. Oh, Father, we're so grateful that we could just call upon your name. We could just bow right now and know that you hear us and invite us to a throne of grace. It's so good that your living waters wash over your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Third Commandment, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael's Ten Commandment teaching series in Exodus chapter 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking, but you could really use some prayer, call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month, or you can give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow as Pastor Michael continues his teaching series in Exodus 20 about the Ten Commandments. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.